Welcome back, Ram fans. This is Rams Up, your favorite L.A. Rams podcast. We are proud members of the Fans First Sports Network. That's fansfirstsports.com. You can also follow us on YouTube. Our channel is at L.A. Rams Up. I'm your host, Mark. You'll hear from my co-host, Tom, on occasion as well. Hey, we're not Rams insiders. We're just longtime fans who love talking about our Los Angeles Rams. Let's get to it. Hey, everybody. Mark from Rams Up here. This is another episode of Rams Roundtable, where we bring on diehard Ram fans to talk Rams football. And today I have Paul Walia back with us. He's been on with us several times. How you doing, Paul? Doing great, doing great. Always looking forward to talking a little Rams. And we have a new guest with us today as well, Ian Martinez. How you doing, Ian? I'm doing great, gentlemen. It's uh, like Paul said, man, it's always good to talk football, especially Rams football. And there's a lot of exciting things to talk about, man. So uh, I'm excited to, to go deep into it today. Yeah, things are certainly on the upswing, and hopefully the trajectory keeps in that direction. So Paul and Ian have discussed a few things they want to talk about, so I'm going to shut up for a while and let them discuss these items they wanted to talk about. So while yours, Paul, what do you want to talk about? Thanks a million, Mark. And uh, yeah, I agree with uh, Ian. Definitely some positive trends. Ian, great to catch up with you. I know it's been a bit uh, Ian and I have had um, some great uh, opportunities to chat Rams in the past. So why don't we sort of segue based on Ian's uh, initial comment. Ian, why don't you lead us off? Uh, what were your takeaways from the game, the positives? Man, oh, man. What is, first off, what a stressful game that was. My goodness. <laughs> You're playing great football in the first half, right, gentlemen, where McVay is finally – Running the damn football. I have a blue and gold shirt where it says run the damn football <laughs> on it. I need to wear that more maybe and will that into existence. But I think after the terrible offensive performance in uh, week three against the Cincinnati Bengals where we abandoned the run and it was really the major flaw in that game of why we lost, I feel, outside of the other crazy tip turnovers. So this last game against the Colts, Finally, Sean said, we're going to run it. We may not get these mega chunk yards every play, but we're going to be committed and let's run this damn football. And we did that whole first half, which is why we were up so large. And I, I love it, man. And my critique of Coach McVay in the past with the run game was always, man, it's the same three plays. It's always outside zone, inside zone, and maybe a wham or a duo concept every now and then. But now, thanks to Michael LaFleur coming over, being from the Kyle Shanahan run scheme world that he comes from, he brought over some really, really simple yet effective gap scheme runs, which, my goodness. I Guys, I grew up playing, obviously, youth, high school, pop water football, all that. And a lot of my offenses that were the that I was uh, a part of were all run oriented first play action. And then we'd pass as like a secondary option for the most part. And I think that has positively, you know, flipped my football brain into seeing run, no matter how simple or creative they are. I just love seeing it. And then seeing 
wham concepts on Sunday. Seeing trap, counters, isolation, blast. It's like, thank God Sean has finally evolved to have a more complicated and more direct run game. So that was something that I immediately saw and was like, man, this is just beauty to my eyes and ears. More gap scheme run plays. So that was great. Kyron Williams, if I believe, ran for over 100 yards. Obviously had his couple touchdowns. And that was fantastic to see as well. And gosh, I think that's that's the, for sure the most outstandingly positive thing that I could take from that game. And we'll get into other things. But what about you, Paul? How did you feel about the run game? Or what else did you think was uh, pretty hard, pretty good to see? And Ian, Ian knows how I feel about the run, baby. Run to win, right? If it was me, I'd be like, uh, let's get John Robinson on the phone. Let's run the ball again like we used to with ED29. Uh, but, yeah, I agree with you. First half, the domination was largely attributed to our controlling the line of scrimmage, uh, being able to hammer the rock um, on the ground. And you know what was interesting about that? Uh, shout out to Iron Kyron. Kyron Williams, you know, when you look at some of his numbers, they may not be flashy, but listen, he's got he's hit pay dirt five times. That's impressive. So he's doing his thing. And especially inside the 20, I think, and even the announcers over the last couple of games have been saying it, is that when the Rams get inside their 20, the run game really takes over. The run game looks really, really tough to stop. And, you know, the injury update just came out. No booms out. So as this offensive line now is becoming, you know, we're starting to move down that depth chart, we got to protect Stafford. You know, you saw Stafford take that vicious hit. You know, if they want Stafford to survive the season, they're going to have to run the ball. They're going to have to keep defenses honest. They're going to have to uh, wear down the defense. The TOP was really good. I think we were, I think we were almost two to one uh, when it came to time of possession. Um, so, so that was really good. So a great shout out to Iron Kyron. Great shout out to the uh, to the Ram O line. Um, primary shout out to the Ram O line. The way they reconfigured it, Ian. Did you notice that? No Zach Thomas. They moved Nopum to the outside. They had Dotson. You know, look at that trade. How much that's paid off, right? So they put Dotson in the guard. Yeah, to Dotson to that point, man. I was going to bring him up after I was replaying things in my head. I want to say the film was. Absolutely fantastic. I mean, I'm just trying to keep it short and sweet with Dotson. He was powerful in the run game, man. I mean, I'm a big all 22 guy, gentlemen. And for me, all the hoopla of who's good and who's bad based off stats, they tell some part of the story, right? We always got to look at that and see the numbers, like the basic stats, you know, touchdown, mm -hmm. interception ratio, completion percentage, yards, but, you know. All the advanced stats are really the ones that people start got to start paying attention to. You know, the EVOA, DVOA, you know, all those higher level metrics that really get into the, you know, the nitty gritty of how good or how not good a player is. And for Kevin Dotson, the film was fantastic. And even PFF, I want to say, had him over a 90 out of 100 in his run grade. Yeah. And it showed on film 100%. So I guess, he, hey, man, he's going to continue that good play hopefully against philly this upcoming week but he was definitely a big big reason why the run game was so good and a big reason why we won this game man because think about it if we had another situation where we have backups you know getting killed like they did against cincinnati we lose this game 
this past game against the Indianapolis Colts. And it's then we're like, oh, one in three, you know, one in three. The season's a disaster. Oh, man. Look at all these draft picks haven't worked out. The rebuild's still going to take a long time. But instead, great trade by uh, Lesney in the front office, getting a guy who was a starter with Pittsburgh for quite quite long if i want to say i mean over i want to say over 35 pushing 40 games he started for pittsburgh mm-hmm. and thank god he played for us this past weekend and hopefully he continues it going forward as long as he's needed because no boom when he's on he's a great offensive lineman but man that dude is just injury prone unfortunately he's just banged up a ton so we'll see we'll see what happens this upcoming week in philly but kevin dotson man kudos to him filling in and playing well against the colts and for those of you out there, Ram Nation, that Kevin Dotson trade, what is that reminiscent of you, man? Austin Corbett, remember that move? Nobody talked yeah, about man. that. So, once again, picking up, you know, great uh, kudos to the uh, Rams front office. Another great move, uh, sort of under the radar that's paid huge dividends well in this one game. Anyway, we'll see how the season plays out. Um Another another interesting positive I like uh, was about the defense. Although at times the run defense did look uh, a, a little shaky, but the Rams' defense has held up. And shout out to Ernest Jones. Ernest Jones, five tackles for losses, one, one sack, averaging nine and a half tackles a game. Ian, what are your thoughts, man? That kid has turned out to be a stud. Yeah. Oh, man, Ernest Jones has been good from day one, let's be honest. Back when we won the bowl a couple of years ago, he was fantastic then. He's only gotten better. And even last year, I thought he had the big early parts of the season when Bobby Wagner and him were teamed up in the middle, I thought he was outplaying him. And I was someone who was vocal about taking Bobby out on passing situations and keeping Ernest in. I was definitely big on that. And obviously, Bobby turned his Hall of Fame, you know, green light on and started having incredible games. But Ernest, I thought for a long time, was out playing a future Hall of Famer. And this season, no different. He should be a pro bowler. He should be considered as an all-pro. He's in that conversation. It's it's just fantastic. He's the perfect modern-day inside linebacker. He's not this big, over-the-top mega, you know, bulked up dude, like from 1985, right? We need dudes that are fast, have good quick area, you know, burst, and guys that are tough and can read and recognize. And Ernest just has all those traits, man. And he's he's played fantastic. And this defense would probably get shredded in the run game if he wasn't out there, to be honest. Because there's times our D-linemen get moved. It happens. I mean, not everyone's going to be mega stout in the run game like that all the time and he's out there saving our butts man by filling in filling in other pe- people's responsibility in either the you know a b gap c gaps and he's playing awesome man and to your point about the defense overall as a group because you know a lot of people thought that this defense was going to be god awful and i was someone who was pretty nervous at the beginning of the season like man you really just sacri- sacrificed everybody on defense for the, you know the the quick rebuild and man, I think a big part of it, guys, is the philosophy and the schematics of things have drastically changed. Before, 
I'm sure Paul could agree to this and, and maybe you as well, Mark, and whoever else is listening, that we were all on Raheem Morris's ass about how, quote-unquote, soft the coverage was and how far away defensive backs were from the opposing team's receivers or pass catchers. And it drove me mad. I'm sure there were games that drove Paul mad. And it drove a lot of fans in this fan base absolutely crazy. Now, this season, we're still doing zone concepts, but we're doing what you call match zone. And what is that? That is basically a hybrid of man coverage and zone. Or basically, in your zone, no matter what style of zone it is, cover two, three, four, six, nine, we can go through all that later. But once a certain player gets in your zone, you have to attack them like it's man coverage immediately. And our guys have done it beautifully. Now, in the Colts game, there was a couple coverage busts that allowed Indianapolis to get in, you know, those deep, uh, long third downs that were happening where a tight end would get open. And I think those things are correctable. Those are just young players just having a, a mental lapse, unfortunately, and we survived it. But the match zone is working out beautifully because we have players that are able to handle that quick area burst and not be slow with it. They're able to get to that receiver tight end pass catcher that's coming into their zone and stick to them immediately. And it's worked out pretty dang well, man. And I think that's a big part of why the defenses look better too. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting if you, well, Ram Nation, when you watch the Ram games, watch how many times they're sending Ernest Jones on the blitz now, right? They're using him a lot. And even if he's not coming, they're pressuring they're giving that look like they're going to pressure that gap, causing that lineman to have to commit. So that frees up Donald a little bit. Um, you know, Donald's still getting double and triple team, but look how many times they're sending Ernest Jones, and he's showing a lot of really good pass rush and blitz potential. Running that interference like the way Floyd used to do it uh, when he was with the Rams. So, you know, he, we'll probably see Jones rack up a couple of more sacks before the season is over. Um, but that's what I really like about him. I really like Raheem working him into the mix, finding that. And, you know, a shout out to Mark's boy, uh, Byron Young, starting to uh, heat up a little bit. Still soft against the run on the edge. We saw Indy was able to sort of attack the edge. That's really where they got a lot of big chunk yards. But, you know, he's starting to heat up a little when it comes to the pass rush. He's, his play recognition is improving. And one player that I got to shout out that a lot of people are not talking about, but he's putting in some quality reps, Jonah Williams. Jonah Williams, the unsung hero right now, he and Kobe Turner are turning in some really nice reps, uh, very consistent, playing tough, playing the – uh, the run really well and getting a little uh, – the pass rush sizzle isn't there just yet, but uh, that'll come in time. But shout out to them. That's what I saw on the defense. And um, talking about that philosophy of the of the zone, when the Rams are able to control the clock like they can and Raheem Morris can play this efficiencies type of defense where, listen, I only got to stop this offense X number amount of times – I only got to, you know, not allow them to get into the end zone, give up these field goals. It plays into the Rams strategy because this offense should be able to score points. And the Rams being able to eliminate those big plays and forcing teams to 
go the length of the field, chew up that clock, limiting their possessions fits in perfectly with what the Rams, uh, off, you know, general game plan and how it plays out. Uh, anyone else, Ian, you want to shout out on the D? Hey, can I ask about a couple sure. of players? Absolutely. Yes, indeed. I wanted to ask your thoughts on Christian Roseboom. And the reason I bring him up is there's a chance he's going to miss this game. And Bobby Brown, any thoughts on how he's been doing? Um, I think uh, with uh, Roseboom, it's been a pleasant surprise. Is he perfect? No, not at all. It's, you know, hey, man, when you've been an undrafted player and you got to fight to the nail for many, many years since he's been on this roster, he's really improved every year. And I think he's done a nice job. I think he's. <laughs> He's a better version of Troy Reader. I know a lot of the fan base will probably roll their eyes and be like, oh, my God, what a comparison. But we got to remember, Troy had great moments blitzing. He had great moments in the run. Obviously, his coverage ability and some other stuff was not so great. But that was enough to win a world championship, everybody, <laughs> which is which Go is Kyler, great. Go Kyler Murray or Troy Reader. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. Let's not forget, man. So I know there's been bad moments with Troy. And there was plenty of good, though. But obviously, people will remember the bad. But I think Roseboom is better than Troy, which is good. And what's been shocking, though, is that they feel comfortable, or the Rams, I should say, and Raheem Morris, they feel comfortable with him being out there on a lot of passing down situations. And he hasn't been bad at all. I was expecting going into the year that the Rams are going to do a ton of dime package stuff. And for anybody out there that doesn't know what that means. Basically, you're going to have about six defensive backs on the field on your defense. So in that, you have your two safeties, you have three corners, and then you would take out one of the regular inside linebackers, and then you'd swap them out for another corner or a safety. So I thought Quinn Lake was going to be that quote-unquote dime linebacker a ton in the passing situations, and he hasn't gone on the field much. They feel better with Christian Roseboom out there and Nickel, which is – five dbs and it's been it's been a good positive shock honestly so hopefully uh hopefully he does play this week i mean more than mary we need as many starters as possible against philly but i have been uh i've been pleasantly happy with him and then quick on uh bobby brown he has his moments but there's times where he does get moved and for him being so big i want to see more power more ferocity from him because he's got the body he has the strength it's just got to put it together. And in moments, it does. In a lot of the moments, he gets moved, which I think shouldn't happen. But it's early in the year. There's, he's still a young player. And he still has time to get better. And learning under the GOAT, Aaron Donald 99, will help. Maybe this is a good time to segue into uh, your outline here, Paul. You wanted to talk about some negatives that you've seen so far this season? Yeah, I mean, listen, you know, one thing about uh, Roseboom, um, I like the hair, man, looking like Matthews. Remember when Matthews was with the Rams, right? That's what he looks yeah, like yeah. When he's out there. Uh, I hope he gets some uh, pass rush skill like the way Matthews did. Um, and also with Bobby Brown. Bobby Brown, just first of all, he's playing way too high. And he's got the body for it, and his gap discipline is just absolutely atrocious. He runs himself out of plays a lot of times, Ian, right? He just he does not show the gap discipline that he should right now. But uh, yeah. um, having said that, one thing um, about the about the about the defense, um, 
is that their run D and Mark brought that up at the beginning of the year, right? Like that we were all talking about it. Will that run defense hold up? Uh, and Mark, Kobe Turner has been looking good, man. Remember that we had talked about him. We had talked about Kobe Turner and could he, you know, hold up for a whole season. It's still early, you know, so sample size is developing. But from what we've seen so far, he plays aggressive. He's tough as nails, right? And he, when he gets his shot to penetrate, he's showing, in my opinion, elite quickness. He's able to get into the backfield. So I think uh, we're going to see a lot more of Col- uh, Kobe Turner uh, down the road. Um, one thing I do want to, uh, Mark, if we could talk a little bit about a season uh, trends, right? Ram trends that we're picking up. And um, one thing I want to sort of highlight that I'm seeing is using India as an example, we saw it with Cincy as well. They had a shot in Indy. They had two touchdowns, and then they had to go two consecutive drives right in. They settled for field goals. They had a shot right there. They could have ended that game. That game would have been over theoretically, right? They could have stepped on the neck of Indy. and. The play calling just was not – the execution wasn't where it should have been. The play calling was not where it should have been, and that let Indy hang around. They lost the Cincinnati game because, I mean, a lot of different things. And Sean, that's probably one – next to the Super Bowl against the Patriots, that was probably Sean McVay's worst coach game was that Cincy game. They let Cincy hang around since he came back in the second half and won that game. They could have closed that game out in the first half against Cincy. Cincy gave them plenty of opportunities to put the ball in the end zone. So uh, this trend of the Rams not being able to land that knockout blow when the opportunity presents itself early in the game is a very disturbing trend, something we have to keep an eye out. But it's happened you know, a, a couple of times, even in the San Francisco game. Remember, they had the lead by a touchdown. They gave up another touchdown to let San Francisco tie it, I think with less than three minutes left in the half before they went into halftime. So that's a trend that we have to keep an eye on. And, you know, it's a young team knowing um, when, to de- when to utilize and develop that killer instinct. That takes time, but that's something um, that really jumped out at me. Ian, your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. It's uh, we need the we need the final uppercut to put teams away, right? And I think a lot of that comes down to just the over aggressiveness of wanting to call a gazillion pass plays, which was completely different from that first half of that Colts game where we were balanced. Kyron let him smack it up the middle, man, in the gap scheme, and that's why we were up so far. And I think once Sean McVay gets into these i want to say quote unquote moods <laughs> where he's just only seeing passing plays on his play sheet where we just we just dive too deep into that side of the playbook and that's where we start to blow leads gentlemen think about the history of coach McBay as the rams head coach and a play caller it's been every time we've gone way too pass heavy things get tricky and we lose games and I love and I love Coach McVay. I'm so happy he's our head coach. Let's no one out there take this as a, oh he's a McVay hater. Not at all. Not every coach is perfect, and this is Sean's issue. He's just too pass happy, way too pass happy. 
And I think if we can be balanced, like we were in overtime, running and passing equally, then we could put teams away. And we did in that overtime period where we ran it just as much as we passed it. And then we put the Colts down. I wonder if part of that will be alleviated by the fact that maybe he's starting to trust Ronnie Rivers. That was my thought early on. He didn't want to give Kyron Williams the ball 25 times, but at the same time, he didn't quite trust Ronnie Rivers yet. Rivers looked good. His reads, remember we had talked about that in that sort of stretch zone scenario when they did come up. His reads were perfect. He looked smooth at one cut and go. He's that type of back. That you know, as a as the backup to Kyron, absolutely perfect. He made quality use of his time. Everything was upfield. Nothing was you know par- you know uh, parallel to the line of scrimmage. Everything was upfield. Positive yards all the way. Uh, I really liked what I saw from Rivers. Uh, he it looks like a nice one-two duo um, moving forward. But yeah, that was something that stood out for good call, Mark. And. I'm not trying to make excuses for Sean McVay. He definitely needs to run the ball more. But but if he has a second fault, it's his unwillingness to trust young players. Like, look what he did with Tutu Atwell, Kyron Williams last year, Bryson Hopkins. He's just unwilling to really give the ball to these guys early in their careers and, you know, maybe stretch that bench a little bit. And to that point, gentlemen, about Ronnie, I'm trying to think back and all the carries. He's, and he hasn't had many carries this whole season, obviously. We're obviously only a quarter of the way through here, the marathon. But I want to say every run he's had has been at least like four or five yards. I mean, am I wrong on that? Am I thinking differently? It feels that way. And I, I and in, he should get the ball more because the amount of snaps Kyron is getting is awesome. And it's cool because he could do it. But it's I don't know if it's sustainable, gentlemen, for Kyron to play almost every single down. So I, I think the emergence of Ronnie Rivers getting more snaps, getting more carries, I think it'll it'll do the Rams well. And he looks good in that gap scheme. And he finds the nine, nine carries, nine carries, averaging five point two yards. Ian, I mean, yeah, it's not see, a lot of carries, just, but you get it. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was seeing. I'm like, in my head, I was like, every time that the ball's been pretty you know, good good solid yardage so there there you go but um yeah more more ronnie rivers i think he's through a quarter of the season gentlemen i think he's earned more carries i think so and going back to iron kyron right five touchdowns on the ground one touchdown through the air he's got six touchdowns already i mean that's impressive right so you got to like iron kyron he's only one fumble so he's showing some shorthandedness unbelievable blitz pickup running back unbelievable blocking a tough as nails steps into the hole takes on the linebackers takes on the blitzers so he brings a lot to that game if there's one area that Kyron Williams and the Rams are desperate to develop and I'd love to hear your thoughts on these uh guys is this number one Kyron Williams has dropped a lot of passes a lot of those dump off they're there every game at least five six seven times he has it where he's wide open he those uh for Stafford easy dump offs to Kyron to get some positive yards and the second is Rams got to get their screen game going when teams start to crowd the line Rams got to get that screen game going the way you know New England used to do that 
when teams used to start to uh, come after Brady and start, um, you know, chewing up teams with that screen game, I think Kyron in the screen game can do big time damage. Yeah, I think so as well, Paul. And gosh, Kyron was a really good prospect coming out of Notre Dame. He did everything well, ran the football well in zone and gap scheme. He picked up blitz as well. He was really prolific in the passing game when he would get thrown to. So it's it's disappointing to see how many passes that he's dropped or it's been tipped in the air and we've all had to hold our breath, right? Obviously, we think of the one in San Fran and then unfortunately went the other way. We think of the one in Cincinnati where that one was almost intercepted. And I think he'll get it straightened out. He can catch. He can run routes. He's got hands. There's just... Maybe Matthew's throwing too, you know, too much fastball for him. Maybe it doesn't look like that on film, but you know, Matthew's got a mega cannon. So maybe it's a little too much. And I will say this though, which was a big pass catch that Kyron had overtime. I want to say it was second or third down in that OT yes. drive. We're like right. midfield. Kyron's on the check down, which is what he's dropped a ton. And what a great, non-verbal communication him and Stafford had. Because Stafford was surveying, got out of the pocket slightly, you know, looking, looking, looking. And then he kind of gives Kyron the the chin chin point, go that way nod. <laughs> and then Kyron shakes the linebacker who was on him. And then they get like 12 to 15 yards on that check down. So shout out to Kyron for that play. And I know he's put in work. There's no way him and Stafford have not done the jug machine drill a hundred times since those drop passes the past few weeks. So I think it'll improve. And I think the screen game will get better as well. Cause teams are going to start bringing extras because Stafford's slinging it. And how did we neutralize it? Like you said, Paul, get that running back in the screen out in open field. And listen, Kyron in the open field, not only is he tough, he's got the wiggle. He's shown that. And he makes, he makes good decisions. Doesn't run out of bounds. That's what I love the most. This kid, Iron Kyron, does not run out of bounds. And that's good news for the Rams. That's the type of toughness we need out there. And I think he's going to be a legitimate 1,000-yard both-ways player, man. I really do. I think he's 1,000 yards rushing, 1,000 yards receiving down the road, double-digit touchdowns, take it to the bank every season, man. they got to keep him fresh. But, yeah, I think he's got that kind of potential, guys. Paul, real quick, I want to say this is this was shown on the the broad the game broadcast on uh, this past Sunday. Isn't he tied right now through four games with Marshall Falk for the six total touchdowns? So yeah, like so they dude, were, making history out here, incredible. Think, so think about this. Let's put this in context, right, Mark? Right, Ian. Let's put this in context. When Cooper Cup was going to miss these first couple of games, what did we think about this offense? We were like, oh boy, here we go. Disaster. Right? What? So, I mean, Mark. Mark knows uh, my uh, my bromance with Puka since you know since since before the draft, right? I was probably the happiest guy in the United States when they drafted him, but he has just exceeded all expectations. This kid is an absolute monster. So, you know, the first four games, Puka's broken records. Kyron has just been uh, consistently awesome. You know, Stafford is looking like his old self. But the potential now, if Cooper can come back healthy, let's take a look at this dynamic here. You've got three go-to players for Stafford that he can count on. They're only going to get better. 
Now that leads us to our next, you know, we were going to, we sort of glossed over the segment for a little bit, but we could talk about it now. The guy who I would never have thought we would have brought up his biggest disappointment thus far, Van Jefferson. Look for his poster at the post office. Missing in action. Holy cow. Van Jefferson, the Rams have really missed having that receiver outside opposite Puka. Van, eight receptions on the season. Eight receptions on the season, only 108 yards. He's really, really hurt the Rams. Tutu's played well. I mean, uh, Mark knows that. I wasn't a big Tutu supporter for a long time. But Tutu has really shown really good um, hands of ball security. Um, still trying to work on his routes and getting the ball downfield. Uh, probably use him a lot more in the screen game, hopefully now, and on some of these jet sweeps. But Van Jefferson is really hurting the Rams offense right now by not being able to threaten uh, that other side of the field. Your thoughts? Yeah, it's uh, it's disappointing and. Obviously, as a fan, I say that, but also for him personally, what a what a what bad timing for a contract year to not play so well, right, gentlemen? I mean, man, oh man, and and, and Van has the talent. We've seen him moss dudes. We've seen him run past fast corners and defensive backs. We've seen him run crispy routes, and this season it just hasn't come together. And a lot of people point to, hey, that Polynesian dude Puka is open. All the time, right? <laughs> People can point to that. And, yeah. and yes, there's there's truth in that. Truth in 2-2 emerging finally. But when Vans had his opportunities, most of the time, he's either dropped it, maybe not come back to the ball, maybe not ran the route as good as it could have been. But I will shout him out for that fourth down catch he had, that big fourth down catch that Stafford threw an absolute laser beam in, in between the Colts defenders. So. Van's got it. He's able to make the tough catches. He's able to do these things. He just has to settle down and believe in who he can be and who he has been. And, gentlemen, we're only a quarter way through the season, so there's time for him to reemerge, be reborn from the Ram Phoenix and come out better than this four-game skid, you know. And no doubt it's disappointing. Yeah, no doubt it's disappointing, but. I guess Van as your fourth receiver, that's that's some good champagne problems, gentlemen. Shoot. <laughs> that's not bad at all. And just going back to Puka, you ready, boys? 501 yards, 125 yards a game he's averaging, 169 yards after the catch thus far. <laughs> Insane. Isn't it just amazing this long list, this long history of great Rams wide receivers if you go down the list of great Rams wide receivers, you get to the eighth or ninth guy on your list. On most teams, they'd probably be the third or fourth best wide receiver. You're, you're talking guys like Flipper Anderson and Robert Woods. Barely crack our top ten. Yeah, yeah. You got guys like Snow, Holt, Bruce, and you know it just goes on and on. But yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Yeah, the skill players in Rams history have all been pretty good, running back receiver-wise, obviously. We have a long history of nailing it. Thank God. (laughs) Do you think there's going to be a bit of a dilemma with Matthew Stafford uh, having Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua out there? 
How do the Rams address this? Maybe you can look at it two ways. Number one, it may be very difficult for the Eagles to game plan against this offense, having never seen Puka and Cooper out there together. But then how does Sean McVay handle it? How does he spread the ball around? Is he going to use Nakua as a decoy and get the ball to Cooper or vice versa? Because we've seen that a lot from this offense where there seems to be one receiver, usually Cooper Cup, and now Puka, that is the focus of this pass offense. Yeah. Ian, what are your thoughts on that one? And then I'll um, I'll jump in. Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to work, gentlemen, simply because people have this assumption that Puka is doing everything that Cup was doing. There's some things, but Cup is such a special football player where McVay and Cup has talked about this and Coach McVay. They give him three different options on pretty much every play in the passing game. It's insane. And he can handle it, and Stafford can mentally handle that too and know, based on coverage, what Cup is also going to decide, which is why their connection in 2021 was ridiculous and historic. So with Puka, he was not being asked to do those things. He was in the Robert Woods role, which was what he was doing anyway in training camp when Cup was still uh, hurt and not practicing. They weren't making Puka do all the Cup things. They were saying, can you be the zone beater like Robert Woods was? Can you kill defenses in the short, intermediate, and then not deep like Tutu, but that 15, 20-yard range? Can you be that version like Robert Woods was? And maybe that number 17 he wears just brings out brings out that superpower, man, right? And oh, yeah. I think now, you, you know that was purposeful. You know that. Oh, it's, I think it was too, man, because Puka was doing jet sweeps at BYU in Washington. He was blocking well, and they were like, "Oh, that's our next Robert Woods. We got to get that kid." <laughs> so, it. I want to agree with you, Paul, that that was purposeful. And also, I think with Tutu being in the Brandon Cooks role, I mean, guys, if injuries aren't a thing, which I know they're an inevitable dilemma that every team will face, no matter how good or how sorry your team is, if those three can play together and stay healthy, I mean, I don't see why not this passing game can't revolve and change the NFL and you know for the Rams sake in a positive direction like 2018 man Cooks is a deep threat who can also run short intermediate 20 yard deep and then mega deep you have Puka who can do everything you want Cup can do everything you want that's very Brandon Cooks Robert Woods Cooper Cup prime you know McVay offense era and I think it it has a chance to do that and with Van as your fourth, champagne problems, man. So I think it's going to schematically work, and I think the personnels all blend together just like it did in that 2017-18 season with Cooks, Woods, and Young Cup. Yeah, nice analysis. Yeah, and I, I concur. I think what's going to be interesting is if you look at what why I think this was so important. I think it might have been a blessing in disguise that when Coop got hurt is that you know we got a chance to see uh, Puka when he's getting that mass volume. Well, think about it this way now. So first of all, I'm do, I'm going to do the analysis based on the fact that let's say that Coop comes back full speed, uh, nothing about working his way back in shape or anything like that. Think about that. Coop dominated from the slot. 
what Cooper does from the slot just, you know, is just, it's unstoppable. But think about this now. When Woods was there, they did move Cup around a lot. Now think about with Puka. Puka can do a lot from the slot. He can do a lot from the outside, right? Cup can do a lot from the outside. So they can really move these two around and really create some matchup problems for the defense, something that the Rams have not been able to do since those three letters, ODB, right? Odell Beckham, baby, right? (laughs) So (laughs) think about that. So I think, in my opinion, I think with those two on the field, and just like you said, you got Tutu and Van on the outside, on the other side, right? You have the ability to really get some, you know, some electric passing going. The key, though, in all of this is, look, the receivers are not the issue. And you got Tyler Higby hitting the seams. You saw Tyler run that seam route? Dude. Higby, you oh, got it crazy that he's like a, like a second, third, fourth thought oh, right now. Oh, and Tyler, by the way, Tyler Higby's really stepped up his blocking and receiving game. Like, dude. Yeah. And listen, look, I'm not a big Higby fan, you know, I think for the money, right? We could have got a lot of out of Hopkins and Allen. But, however, Higby's got that seam route every game. They got to hit that four or five times. Higby's got to get into the end zone. Dude, this catching the ball and stumbling and falling down. Come on, buddy. Stay on your feet. You're a tight end. Drag some people into the end zone. But having said that, one of the key elements is going to be moving forward. Got to keep Stafford standing up. They got to know. McVay's got to know when that – he's got to sense when the momentum – you know, the ebb and flow and momentum during a game when you're a play caller is absolutely crucial. You have to be able to uh, pick up on that. And when the momentum is not with you, you cannot call five, six, seven passes in a row. It's just not going to work. You see things start to get a little helter out there. That's when Stafford makes some of those bad decisions. That Stafford Stafford starts taking three or four hits in a row. Then you start to see him like, you know, start to do things that are traditionally not what he does. So if they play it smart, if they keep him upright, if they keep him away from those big hits, they are going to light some uh, scoreboards up. They definitely, between Puka, Cooper Cup, and Tutu and Van, they definitely have the potential to throw up some points. But think about this. Puka, Cooper Cup, Ben Sko. Find me three better blocking wide receivers in the run game. You you can't. You can't, gentlemen. You can't. The film is so over-the-top fantastic in the run game with this receiving group. It's phenomenal. I mean, there's no other offense where we have receivers playing fullback. Obviously, Benny Sko was literally lined up in the eye at fullback, which was awesome. I hope we see more of that. But in terms of the schematics in this gap scheme, I mean, we have Puka. Guys, go and watch highlights and any of the big runs. Puka is trapping D linemen in the wham, you know, guard trap concepts in some of these runs. What other receivers can pull that off and be willing, be mentally willing to say, all right, I'm going to slam into this 300-pound dude, and that's not what I'm paid for, but right, a lot of receivers would think that way and not execute. Cup, Skoranek, Woods was he, when he was here. Tutu has gotten a lot better in the blocking you know, surface, not necessarily – trapping D linemen like Cup and Puka are going to be doing the rest of the season. But there was a lot of runs where, you know, obviously two twos, you know, flanked out 
out deep on the you know, right or left sides or in the slot. And he's holding his corner that he's supposed to seal off. And he's doing a good job too, man. It must be, it must be just great, great individual coaching by Eric Yarbrough, our receivers coach. He's fantastic. And for yeah. him to, for him to obviously nurture players that the fan base did not believe in, young 2-2. Puka, there was no expectations. Cup, there was no expectations when he was drafted. Woods was thought to be a castaway when his time in Buffalo was done. And for Yarber and obviously Coach McVay and his and his overall leadership and coaching himself, that receiver room led by Coach Yarber Man, what a hell of a job. And if he's not one of the highest paid receiver coaches, he's got to be. Come on, Kronk. You got the cash, dude. This dude's transformed tons of players. There's enough sample size now where he's a constant and receivers flourishing in this, you know, new age of Rams football. So it's it's just fantastic, dude. I love I love the run game, like I stated earlier. It's great seeing receivers be fullbacks and pull it off. It's great. And let's not forget the job that you know, Yarborough did helping uh, Odell get his head right. I and mean, when he played for the yes, Rams, that's true. Totally, different, yes. totally different player, totally different player. So let, you know, let's close out with some, let's take a look, you know, we got the Eagles game coming up, but let's not just li- limit it to the Eagles game, but let's talk a little bit about uh, what we think impressions moving forward uh, for the Eagles game and beyond um, Ian, Mark, and then I'll, I'll close it out. So Ian, what are your thoughts? I just think I just think keep running the football, Coach McVay, Michael LaFleur, everybody in those offensive meetings, players, please please say something. Cause it's it's a the run game is the sun of the of the the quote unquote sun in the solar system of this Rams uh this Rams offense. And I think when that is burning hot whether it's five yards of carry or a couple yards or mega chunks. I think when that is shining bright, meaning how many times we're doing it more than just 10, like against Cincinnati, I think everything will revolve around that in unison and in harmony and everything will open up play action, deeper routes that I know McVay wants to take shots with van and Tutu and cup and Puka. And then I think it'll also factor in, positively to keeping Matthew Stafford healthy as possible. It'll be less times he's going to get smacked around, which is the main core of how this offense is going to thrive is him being the the trigger man, being the top 10, top five quarterback that he always has been. So run game. I think if we do that, it helps the defense. It helps Stafford stay healthy. It keeps defenses honest. It opens up more things. In the play-action game, passing game, I just think that is the number one thing that needs to continue trending upward. And if that happens, we'll be in every single game, no matter who we play. That's what I believe. Yeah, absolutely. In the in the Cincy game, Rams sixty-seven yards rushing. That says it all, right there for the game. And ten, ten carries, ten carries, Paul. It's unacceptable, man. Unacceptable is absolutely right. That was just horrific. Right. And they were and since I think since going into the game, I think I had texted Mark. I think they were like um, somewhere like I think fifth from the bottom in rush defense going into that game and to not exploit that. I think it was just criminal. Mark, your thoughts and impressions. You know, I'm a Rams fan first and foremost, and I'm just jacked that this season is 
obviously going to be a lot of fun. I ain't necessarily going to end up in a Super Bowl win, but it's going to be a fun team to watch. A lot of young players. We're going to get to watch them grow and improve. And every Sunday, every Sunday is going to be fun. And we're going to be in every game, like I think Ian already said. I think Cooper Cup brought a lot of new Ram fans on board. And I think Puka Nakua is going to do the same. He's got that it factor. And all these great young draft picks, Byron Young, Kobe Turner, the Athletic named four Rams to their all-rookie team at this point. I mean, that's like four out of about 30 players that they selected. So it's just a fun time. Um, anticipating a competitive game every Sunday as opposed to what we went through last year, just kind of dreading how bad we're going to get pummeled. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you hit the nail on the head, right? So the Rams being competitive is a pleasant surprise, right? When we looked at that roster, right, you talk about bare bones, right? They had really, really shaved it down to the bare bones. But, you know, Ram Nation, let's take a look at this. Let's take a look, take a look at that O-line. Whether they planned it or not, look what has sort of fallen right into their lap. Alaric Jackson, Avila, Shelton, Dotson, and the Havenstein Monster. Right over there, right tackle. How do you not realize you got one of the best run blocking O lines in the NFC? You got to use them. Whether or not you design it that way doesn't really matter, but look what you got. Every one of those players gets lathered up in the run game and just, you know, just blows open holes. So, I mean, they, whether they realize it or not, they got to take a look at it. They got a great run blocking. And Alaric Jackson has said that openly, man. He loves to run block, right? So I, I that's going to be the thing. Iron Kyron behind that O-line, being able to control the clock. They've been doing real much better um, in third down efficiency. I still think they can do better in that arena. The third down efficiency, I think, is huge for the Rams. Keep the ball, play smart. But they've got to do a better job of keeping Stafford upright, keeping him away from the big hits. Uh, I still think got to develop that screen game um, and, you know, find a way to loosen up the defense. 2-2 and Van Jeff downfield, big gains. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, playing smart. I love it. Um, I love the way they're utilizing that those zone concepts, taking away the middle of the field. Um and, you know, right now, not a lot of turnovers. Um, and you saw a little bit of that, you know, the D-backs not closing with confidence to make those uh, INTs and those tips more about tackling the body and being secure. But as the season moves on and they develop a little bit more confidence and play recognition, I think you're going to see some more INTs. Against Philly, I will say this, Philly owns the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Great D-line, great O-line. This is a great matchup for the Rams. You've got Mr. Electric, Jalen Hurts. You know, let's see uh, how the Rams do. I think Richardson was a nice tune-up for Hurts, right? They can't let, you know, Richardson abuse them on a couple of plays. You know, Jalen will take it to the house if, you, uh, if you're not disciplined out there. So it's going to be a nice test. And we got the Cardinals after that, right, at home. So that's going to be a great one for us. Um but this is going to be a nice test for the Rams, this Eagle game. But I think that game is going to be decided on the the way the Rams play on the line of scrimmage. So, yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, to, to the Philly point, real quick, because I just – if it, 
bringing that up just flurried my brain with some with some things that I've seen on film. And man, Philly secondary, they have some players like Bradbury and Darius Slay, but they're getting shredded in the passing game, gentlemen. We're gonna have a chance, man, to score some serious points in the passing game if we can hold up, which is gonna be a tough task, right? Like you just said, Paul. It's not gonna be easy. But there's going to be opportunities, and especially with cutback, we're going to have a chance yeah. to put up some serious points this Sunday, man. And, and they got to be they got to be careful with Cup too. They don't rush him back in there. You know, definitely, you know, control his reps. Let him find his way back. Make sure that hamstring is healthy. You got, you know, Puka to rely on. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, Go we're going to have. I'm going to be at that game, gentlemen, with other friends and Eagles and Rams alike, and that's going to be. This is. I think this game's not being talked about enough, man. This is a serious, seriously big game, man. Because yeah. obviously the Rams doing better, Eagles being an NFC championship. And think about it, gentlemen. Think about two months ago. We're all like, man, Eagles are going to come in here and just smack the Rams around, right? <laughs> Look at how it's flipped. People in the Eagles fan base and their own podcasters, they're worried about us, man, because of that passing situation that we have and that they don't defend well. So this, I'm yeah. excited, man. I'm excited. Like I said, I elaborated earlier about the maybe flipping this, the 2018 button on. We have a chance, man, and we'll see what happens hey, I, Sunday. I, I, I picked, um, I picked uh, Philly to come out of the NFC. So, <laughs> so there well, you go. I mean, hey, dude, their roster is talented, Paul, and uh, but they're they're flawed, man. They are definitely yeah. flawed right now, and there's there's a chance, a good chance for us to pull to pull this out. But yeah, line of scrimmage. And it's going to be interesting. That Philly likes to hold on to the ball, also. So that top scenario is going to be super important this game. Philly loves to hold on to the ball, and they do that for huge chunks of time, right? And so when Stafford sits in that offense, sits for a little bit, you know, McVay's got to be smart, let his team find a rhythm, and then start going deep into that uh, play chart. Mark, your thoughts? Closing thoughts? Yeah, to Ian's point. I talked about this on my Eagle Ram preview. They've given up nine passing touchdowns, so they've really struggled in that aspect of the game. And Avante Maddox, one of their better cornerbacks, is out as well. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think the Rams are going to pull it out. But you're right, Ian. This is a game that, if you look across the schedule, it should be one of the more attractive games on the slate this weekend. That's the way I see it. Yeah, I think we're getting the uh, – uh, real quick, I think we're getting uh, – I think this is how you know it's a big game. I just looked it up right now. You know, every network has their their uh, their A-team broadcast team, right, to, to commentate and play by play. We're getting in the Fox A-team, I think, Greg Olson and Kevin Burkhardt. So they think this game is uh, going to be big. But I think, uh, I think that's going to be the case, man. So this will be nationally televised for a majority of the country. So the world's going to see a, a big heavyweight battle, man. I'm excited. I will say this, though, shout out, man. My favorite announcer, Jonathan Vilma. Way to go. If you watch when he does the Ram games, man, let me tell you something. You would think he played his whole career with the Rams. Man, I'd love to see Vilma uh, do more Ram games. I love when he does the Ram games. Shout out to JV, man. Great job. Hey, you guys. Thanks for joining us. This has been a really good discussion. I hope to do more of these. I'd really like to do them once a week. Keep this rolling. I'll talk to you guys offline. Uh, maybe we'll have some other guests as well. 
do this Rams roundtable every week. And if there's any of you Rams fans out there that want to join us for one of these roundtables, send me an email at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. The only qualification is you got to be a Rams fan. Hey, Ian, thanks for joining us. Love this discussion. Great stuff. And Paul, as always, thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure. Good yeah, good to talk with you again, Ian. Mark, you know, you're a staple. You're a Ram staple, baby. You're up there with like Slater. <laughs> you're up there with the greats, man. Oh, Paul, you're too kind. I couldn't do it without guys like you and Tom and and now bringing Ian on board. Really appreciate it. Let's do this again real soon. Great conversation. Out here from Rams Up for now. That's going to do it for this episode. Remember, you can reach us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget about our YouTube channel. Our handle is at laramsup.com. Till next time, keep the horns up, stay safe, and have fun out there.